the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. They apparently cut this animal in half, and all of the people that entered into the covenant were told, pass through the midst of the pieces of the animal, again saying, if I break this covenant, may I be cut into pieces like this sacrificial calf here. And as soon as the Babylonians pulled back from Jerusalem, they break the covenant. They're not serious about this at all. Verse 20 again says, I will give them into the hand of their enemies, into the hand of those who seek their life. They're not going to escape the judgment that will come. It's not unusual to start bartering with God when you get into bad situations. If things start falling apart, you might start making Him promises like you'll be a better person, pray more, or go to church more. Unfortunately, human history shows that you're likely to forget or ignore these promises that you make to God under duress. Today, Pastor Dan teaches you that consistent commitment to Jesus is the best way to have Him in your life. When you love Jesus during the easy times, your commitment to Him will help bring you through the harder times with much more ease. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah chapter 34 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. the children of Israel, the people of Judah, that, you know, the Babylonians are outside the city wall, they're building their siege ramps, everything's about to collapse, and so now Zedekiah says, we need to free the slaves. God commands us to free the slaves. And you know, God, look, we're, we're doing what you command us to do. You've accused us of not keeping your word. Hey, now we're keeping your word, and we're going to free all the slaves just like you told us to do. But then what happens, what happens is the Babylonians will back off from their attack against Jerusalem because the Egyptians come up. Before they capture Lachish and Hezekiah, the Egyptians invade. So now the Egyptian army invades Israel. The Babylonians have to pull back from attacking Jerusalem and deal with the Egyptians. And once the Babylonians backed off of attacking Jerusalem, they took all their slaves back and made them slaves again. That's what it's talking about here. They took all the slaves. They enslaved all the people that they had just set free. (laughs) You know, there's no longer a threat. And so they went back to the way they were living before. Disregarding the commands of God and oppressing the poor and the helpless. Again, verse 12, verse 11. But afterward, they changed their mind and made the male and female slaves return whom they had set free and brought them into subjection as male and female slaves. Once the Babylonian army pulled away, well, they said, no, no, you guys got to be slaves again. And they enslaved everybody again. Therefore, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, verse 12, 
saying, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I made a covenant with your fathers in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, where they were slaves, saying, at the end of seven years, let every man set free his Hebrew brother who has been sold to him. And when he has served you six years, you shall let him go free from you. But your fathers did not obey me nor incline their ear. Then you recently turn and did what was right in my sight. Freeing the slaves. Every man proclaiming liberty to his neighbor. And you made a covenant before me in the house which is called by my name. So they made this covenant in the temple in Jerusalem. Then you turned around and profaned my name. And every one of you brought back his male and female slaves whom he had set at liberty at their pleasure and brought them back into subjection to be your male and female slaves. Again, verse 12, God reminded them that they were all slaves in Egypt formerly, their fathers were, and God brought them out of the house of bondage, out of their own slavery, and and so they should have compassion on slaves. They should have compassion on slaves. This is why he established this law to begin with, that they should only keep their slaves for six years, and the seventh year set them free, because they themselves were once slaves. They should send them out with goods and provision, because they themselves were slaves in Egypt. And so they should have had compassion towards those who were slaves. You know, in the New Testament, we see a similar thing where it talks about how we forgive others. And it says in the New Testament that you should forgive others because God, for Christ's sake, forgave you. The reason we should be so quick to show mercy and grace and forgiveness to others is because God showed mercy and grace and forgiveness to us through Jesus Christ. So what right really do we have to hold a grudge or be unforgiving towards someone when God has been so forgiving towards us? The children of Israel, they, they were slaves in Egypt, so they, of all people, should have compassion for slaves. In verse 14, God reminded them of what His command is regarding slaves. That they should be set free after six years of service. Now, let me, let me say that slavery in ancient Israel was not like the horrific slavery that we had in our nation's history. Uh, In ancient Israel, there were four basic reasons why a Hebrew became a slave to a fellow Hebrew. And they were all related to economics. If you were very poor, you could sell yourself as a slave to learn a trade or to learn a skill, kind of like an indentured servant or an apprentice. And so you would sell yourself into slavery for six years to acquire skills or to acquire trade. Even in the ancient world, doctors were slaves. And that's how they, you know, doctors served as, or slaves were doctors. So that would be one reason. If you were just very poor, it was a way of improving yourself in a sense by learning a trade. You would serve a master for six years and then you could go out on your own. Another reason would be if you had debt that you could not pay then you would enter into servanthood to the creditor to pay that debt. The Bible says the borrower is slave to the lender. 
In some cases, that was literal. You had so much debt that you couldn't pay. You then went and you served the person that you owed the money to. So that was another reason why Hebrews became slaves. A father, third reason, a father might sell a daughter as a servant into a home of a wealthy family with the intention that she would eventually marry into that family. So again, to provide a better, a better quality of life for your daughter. And then finally, the fourth reason, a thief who could not pay back what they have stolen. They could not make proper restitution. They were required then to serve the person that they owed the money to, to make restitution for what they stole from them. And so th- those were the reasons in the ancient, ancient Israel why a Hebrew would become a slave. Again, they're all related to economics, all economic reasons. And according to the law, the slave was supposed to be set free after six full years of service. But again, the people of Israel just did not observe that law. They didn't set their slaves free. They kept them in slavery. And then as it says here under Zedekiah, they turned and they did what was right. And then after the Babylonian threat subsided, they turned around and did what was wrong. And they enslaved or re-enslaved their former slaves. You know, it doesn't give us any detail of how they did that. But I don't imagine that was a peaceful thing. You know, people that were once slaves that have been set free, and they'd have freedom now for the first time. How do you get them back into slavery? I'm, I'm sure there was a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of violence involved in that coercion and force to get those people back into slavery. God says, you, you turned around and you profaned my name. You did the right thing by obeying my command. And then you turn around and you profane my name by going back into disobedience. The name of God was profaned in the minds of those who were unjustly forced back into their slavery. You know, why would God do this? Why would God allow this? Why would a God of love? Why would a God of justice allow this to happen? Why would he set us free only to allow us to be enslaved again? G. Campbell Morgan said, the wrong of man to man inflicts on God a deeper wrong. The wrong of man to man inflicts on God a deeper wrong. Our disobedience to God. Our disobedience to God. It profanes the name of God in the minds of others. When they see our disobedience or they see our hypocrisy. It profanes the name of God. Where people say, you know, you call yourself a Christian. And yet you do this. Or if that's what a Christian is. I don't want to have anything to do with that kind of God. And it profanes the name of Jesus Christ. Therefore, verse 17, thus says the Lord, you have not obeyed me in proclaiming liberty, everyone to his brother and everyone to his neighbor. Behold, I proclaim liberty to you, says the Lord, to the sword, to pestilence and to famine. And I will deliver you to trouble among all the kingdoms of the earth. They disobeyed God's word. They set people free and then they took back their freedom. They profaned the name of God. You know, for us, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross, has set us free from sin and death. And he promises never to take that back. He has set us free. He's given us liberty from sin and death. And he's never going to take that back. He's never going to revoke that from us. We're never going to lose that. 
But you know, in, in the New Testament, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, we are warned by the Apostle Paul, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Paul says in the New Testament, you're free, but make sure you stay free. Don't get yourself entangled in, and enslave yourself in sin. Again, protect your freedom that you have. You're free, make sure you stay free. Don't give up your liberty for slavery to sin. And verse 17 is kind of, a, kind of a play on words here. To those disobedient slave owners who, who stole the liberty of others, God said, behold, I proclaim liberty to you. And here's the liberty that God spoke, proclaimed to them. He is freeing them from his protection. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. I'm going to give you liberty. I'm going to give you liberty from my protection. So now, because I'm freeing you from my protection, you'll see the sword, you'll see pestilence, you'll see famine coming upon you, and trouble, he says. And when we rebel against God, I think the application for us, when we rebel against God, when we just flagrantly ignore His commands, we are freeing ourselves from His protection. We think we're freeing ourselves from some kind of restriction or yoke or limitation that God has put on us in His Word, but really, we are freeing ourselves from God's protection. And we are inviting trouble into our lives through our disobedience to His Word. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. But then to the obedient person, it says in the Proverbs, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands for length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. The person who obeys the Lord and walks in his ways and does their best to keep his commands, the promise to that person is a long life and a peaceful life. The way of the transgressor is hard. The person who walks in obedience will have a peaceful life. So those are kind of the two choices. We can have a life of, of trouble and heartache, or we can have a life of peace. He goes on in verse 18. And I will give the men who have transgressed my covenant, who have not performed the words of the covenant which they made before me, when they cut the calf and two, and passed between the parts of it, the princes of Judah, the princes of Jerusalem, the eunuchs, the priests, and all the people of the land who passed between the parts of the calf, I will give them into the hand of their enemies and into the hand of those who seek their life. Their dead bodies shall be for meat for the birds of the heaven and the beasts of the earth. Their bodies are not going to be buried. And I will give Zedekiah king 
of Judah and his princes into the hand of their enemies, into the hand of those who seek their life, and into the hand of the king of Babylon's army, which has gone back from you. They've retreated back to deal with the Egyptians. Behold, I will command, says the Lord, and cause them to return to this city of Jerusalem. They've retreated to deal with the Egyptians, but the Lord says, I will cause them to come back to Jerusalem. And they will fight against it, and they will take it, and they will burn it with fire, and I will make the cities of Judah a desolation without inhabitant. Now, go back and look at verse 18. Uh, And he talks about when they made the covenant, and they cut the calf in two, and passed between the parts of it. When they would make a covenant, they would sacrifice an animal as part of the covenant. They would cut the animal in pieces and parts in half. And then those entering into the covenant would pass through the middle of the parts of the animal. Uh, So this is where we get the idea of cutting a deal. Uh, They would cut a covenant, literally. They'd cut an animal in half. And then both parties would pass, or all the parties involved in the covenant would pass through the middle of the parts of the animal that are laid out. I want to show you a picture of this back in Genesis chapter 15. You want to turn there with me. Genesis 15. And this is when, uh, this is when God established his covenant with Abraham. Told Abraham, and he took Abraham outside and told Abraham to look up in the sky at all the stars. And told Abraham that if you are able to number the stars, so shall your descendants be. At that point, Abraham had no children at all. Um, and yet God was promising that his, his descendants would be more than can be numbered. Here we are. We're the sons of Abraham by faith. We're the children of Abraham by faith. We're part of those descendants that God was referring to way back in Genesis 15. So he makes this covenant, though, with Abraham. Uh, Genesis 15, 9. The Lord speaking to Abraham said, said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer. So that would be, you know, a cow, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And then he brought all these to him and he cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then God said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them four hundred years, speaking of Egypt, their time in Egypt, and also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Now, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here to the land of Israel. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch of fire, which is symbolic of God's presence, that passed between those pieces. And on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, Abram, saying to your descendants, I have given this land 
from the river of Egypt, that's the Nile River, to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, the Jebusites, the Mosquito Bites, all of them, right? All this land. And so here God establishes this covenant with Abraham, tells him he's going to have you know, more descendants than he can number, even tells him what's going to happen to his descendants, how they'll go down to Egypt, and they'll be in Egypt for about 400 years, and they'll come up out of Egypt with great possessions, and they'll come back into this, this land, and they'll take this land, and this land will be their land. And as part of that, we see here that he has Abraham cut these animals in half and two, and then he lays them out. And then we see that God himself, his presence in verse 17, passed through uh, the middle of the pieces. So God enters into this covenant with them. And the way they would do that is they'd cut the animal in half, and the members that are entering into the covenant would pass through the middle of the covenant. And they were saying, in a sense, if I break this covenant, let what happened to these animals happen to me. That's how serious they were about their covenants. If I break this covenant, let what happened to these animals happen to me. And notice here also that God passed through the covenant, passed through the animals to establish the covenant. Abraham doesn't pass through the covenant, pass through the animals. So God has essentially put himself on the hook with this covenant. He has signed the contract. And he's on the hook now to give the descendants of Abraham that land, the land of, of Israel. Now, go back with me to Jeremiah chapter 34, and we'll finish up here. And again, he, when they made this covenant to release the slaves and to set them free and obey God's command, they made that covenant in the temple, we're told in chapter 34, and they apparently cut this animal in half. And all of the people that entered into the covenant were told, pass through the midst of the pieces of the animal again, saying, if I break this covenant, may I be cut into pieces like this sacrificial calf here. And as soon as the Babylonians pulled back from Jerusalem, they break the covenant. They're not serious about this at all. Verse 20 again says, I will give them into the hand of their enemies into the hand of those who seek their life. They're not going to escape the judgment that will come upon them. Verse 22, Behold, I will command, says the Lord, and cause them to return to this city. Speaking of the Babylonians, they will fight against it and take it and burn it with fire. And I will make the cities of Judah a desolation without inhabitant. You know, the Babylonians will come back. They'll conquer the city of Jerusalem. They'll burn it to the ground. And then they'll destroy all of the cities of Judah. All of the cities of, Jer- of Judah will be left a desolation without inhabitant. The people will be carried away to Babylon as slaves. And as I've said before, archaeologists have excavated many cities in Israel from this time, from the time of the, the siege of the Babylonians. And they have not found a single city that wasn't destroyed. All of them were destroyed and burned to the ground. All of them had idols in their homes. Just kind of this silent testimony to the truth of Scripture, to what God's Word says. Just as God's Word says here, so it proves to be. Everything that God says in His Word will come to pass. He asked me how I know. 
That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Dan, we invite you to visit our website, calvaryec.com. There you'll have access to our library of previous messages available to listen to online or download to take with you on the go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Each time we post a new teaching, you'll get a notification and be able to listen right away. We're so blessed to be able to provide you with insightful messages taken straight from the pages of God's Word. We pray you've been encouraged today by what you've heard. We'd like to take a moment to ask you to partner with us as we continue to build this ministry. God is using programs like Ring of Truth to share the message of the gospel through a virtual mission field. Now, more than ever, people are being reached through radio and online teachings. We're so glad we could be a part of it and we're eager to see where God will take us next. Would you join us in seeking God's will for this ministry? We'd also ask that you keep our listeners in your prayers, that they'll be open to how God is speaking to them. We know God listens to the prayers of His people, and we appreciate you partnering with us in this way. Thanks for joining us today. We encourage you to take the things you're learning in this study and apply them in your daily life. In our next edition, Pastor Dan will continue teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Jeremiah, here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and what I know because I know his voice, and it only takes Rings true.